All right, gentlemen, we're recording. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Jason Kleeper. With me is Gabe Giannis and Matt Boudreau, and we are diving into all things being a dad, school, life, fitness. And Gabe had um, offline started talking about some, you know, because he's a father of uh, his son is eight months old. And so let's just kick it right off, Gabe, and let's rock and roll. Well, yeah, I mean, Matt asked me, you know, if I'm sleeping and I'm sleeping great. And it's just, it's one of those things. It's it's interesting. And my wife and I have talked about this a lot because when we were, you know, planning to have kids, but weren't quite ready yet, you know, a lot of the narrative I felt around, you know, other like recent parents that we know, or even family and stuff, it was all like, you know, like, well, enjoy it while it lasts, like enjoy your freedom. Like you're never going to sleep again. Like all these like offhand comments that, you know, are, are, almost like, you know, you're joking around, but there's always truth in jest. And to me, I felt like we went into being young parents with this kind of like narrative that it was like, everything was over. Like it was over, like date night was over, having fun was over. You know, we love to camp, camping's over, traveling's over. Like, it's just, it's done. You're not going to sleep, not going to be able to work out, not going to be able to eat right, not going to be able to do all these things. And sometimes, you know, now that we're actually in it, and I think that a big part of us being so immersed in like the fitness space, the nutrition space, and being super intentional about like making sure that yes, things were going to change, but we still know we should be prioritizing has made it honestly really, really easy. But I, and and again, like I want to preface this with the fact that like our circumstances are very unique. We both have our parents very close by. We have a great support system. We have a lot of help. Um, We have a lot of space. We're out here in Texas. Like, like we also made decisions to make this, you know, I think as easy as it's become, but like, to tell you the truth, sometimes when I get like these questions, being a young parent of like, well, how's the sleep and this and that, I almost don't know how to answer because there's even like a little bit of guilt behind being like, I mean, it's been great. Like it has. And, and, and that's not to say that I don't think that parents out there are having a tough time because it is hard. It's hard in a lot of ways. It's super difficult. But I think that there is something, there's a disconnect between like what is being put out there that is being a parent and the reality, especially if you're intentional about how you're going about, you know, going into that stage of life. Dude. So your life got infinitely better. Period. 100%. That's not just a comment to Gabe. That is a comment to any parent, period. Right. And I love the way you articulated that. And I always ask about sleep because, um, you know, my own PTSD of our first child didn't sleep through the night until she was two and a half. Right. She would go more than 24 hours without sleeping and she'd be screaming the entire time. We found out she actually had some like internal issues going on. So, I mean, we would go more than 24 hours without sleeping on the regular. Right. So that's why I ask just to know, like, do I like Gabe a little less? And so it turns out, yes, I do. But that's fine. Uh, So, (laughs) right. But the reality is it's exactly what you said. The whole, the whole, well, just wait, like it's going to get, it's going to get hard. Like that whole man, it's garbage. And I hear it in so many areas. Just wait until you're in your forties, Matt, you're not going to have a six pack anymore. Okay. Bet me now I'm still in, I'm still in really, I'm not the athlete I used to be, but I'm still in really good shape. Hey Matt. Oh, just wait till your daughter hits the teenage years. Just wait because it's got, at really, you know what? My teenage daughter is just crushing life, and I've never had a better relationship with her than I do right now. You know why? Because I've been intentional since day freaking 
one. So if you want to go at it with, oh, your life's going to be so hard and it's going to suck, then that's how you're going to approach it. And you're going to be the one that makes it suck. If you want to be intentional about doing the right thing and really pouring in and realizing that gift of a human that you have, that's going to be your experience too. So I love that, Gabe. Matt, I love what you just said because so my daughter's 12 and I'm at the gym with her this morning. So her and I were at the gym uh, and we're coming home from the gym and we just got back from traveling overseas for a month. And dude, it's just like the vibes were right, right? My, my son is nine, my daughter's 12, they get along. And I kept saying in the car, I'm so glad you just brought this up about your daughter being a teenager and still like having a good relationship because we're in the car and I look over at Ava, I'm like, man, like it feels so good that like, you kind of like me and I really like you and we like get along so well. I, I just got done saying that to her in the car because I'm like, you know, Ava, I don't know how long this is going to last for, but it's just super special for me. And, and it just, I don't know. Anyways, I, I really appreciate what you had to say because I, I always think back to like, you, you always hear like, oh, your kids are going to turn teens, especially your daughters and they're not going to speak to you anymore and things like that. And you're giving me hope. So appreciate that, Matt. It means a lot. <laughs> well, it's, but it's the truth, man. I love that. And I love what you said about the reality is people say it all the time of, of uh, just wait till they're a teen, wait till this, like, what are you going to do when your daughter is this age? What are you going to do? I, what do you mean? What am I going to do? When, how do I, how do I, how do I get my relationship better with my teenage daughter? You go back to the very beginning and you make sure there's been a solid relationship the entire time, period. If you do that, now it's not too late to start. If you screwed that up, of course, like you're going to start where you are, but it starts then. Yeah. By the way, just before we continue recording, I just got to admit, the man in the arena, you know, you and I have spoke many times. Um, I don't think I've seen that in your background until today. Is that a new um, uh, poster or whatnot that you put up? Yeah, you know what it is? We When we got out here to uh, to North Carolina, I've got an office out here at our farm, uh, and it's it's kind of a hot mess everywhere except for what's behind me, but I've slowly been putting the office together a little more. And I've had this that somebody gave me a long time ago and I've had it in here, but I finally got it up. Yeah, man, this is the stuff. I I got a I was so I was competing in a jiu-jitsu tournament maybe like six months ago, and I was pretty anxious and whatnot. And I was reading um that quote over and over again in my hotel room. Cause I went to Vegas basically. I'm by myself and I was reading that quote because it's so easy to get, um, I, I love the man in the arena concept, right? That all these people can be talking all kinds of shit from all anywhere else, but you're the one in the arena putting it, you know, putting yourself out there. And I just, I just find that to be a really great quote. So now I got to go get mine, man. So thanks for the inspiration. Dude, I'll, oh, man. I'll find out where I got this. I'll send it to you. Now, every time I have a conversation with Jason about certain subjects, I got to just got to remind him of the man in the arena. <laughs> That's it. Dude. right? What That's you just right. said, that's the conversation we have all the time. You know, Matt, I'm, I'm curious, though, like your take on, on how we got here, though, you know, pulling on that thread of like, there's this narrative that like, you know, parenting is this like difficult thing and kids are almost a burden. Why is that what you hear so much about? Like, why is it almost like, you know, being the exception of the rule to say that, hey, like, I, it's different, obviously, now being a parent but it is so much better. It a hundred percent is. And why is that almost like, maybe not controversial, but for some people like a controversial thing to say. It's a really good question, man. If I, I think if I had the answer to that, um, you know, I, I could probably do some pretty cool things with it. I, I really lean in that it's a, it, it's a multifaceted answer. I think we've got 
cultural implications as far as why that is. I think you've got these generational trends that are taking place that, um, you know, that are, that are shifting the narratives. I think you've got, um, I always look at, at schooling as something that because of what I know about schooling, um, that that has perpetuated the narrative. Um, you know, we've got various social programs and things that have been designed to, uh, you know, get, get, dads out of dads don't matter as much as you know as we thought it doesn't matter to have two parents in the home um it, yeah both parents you know if they are still together they should be working but it's also okay if the parents don't want to stay together and they can split like i think every single one of these conversations really uh at the end of the day devalues the relationship between parents and their kids. I think all of these things do. The idea that we'd have to send our kids to the government, you know, experts early and often, right away, like that devalues them. We devalue it in media. We devalue. I really think it's been a multifaceted, long tail thing, man. I don't think it's something that just happened overnight. Uh, I think it's been a long tail game. Yeah, for sure, man. It's, it's, it's unfortunate, but it's been nice that, you know, since we, so we moved out to Texas two years ago. And one of the things that was kind of a byproduct of that, because we started like a small farm slash homestead for a while, though, we were actually raising pork and selling pork at our local farmer's market. And the coolest thing that came out of that was, you know, coming from the fitness world where before everyone we knew was like a coach, a gym owner, like a very tight knit community, the like homesteading farming community. There were so many parallels there. And I think that that was one of the most positively impactful things for us as we were starting a family, because it really opened our eyes to, you know, a lot of the, you know, unconventional ways to like raise kids and bring up kids that just made so much sense once we were like exposed to it. But prior to that, you would be like, well, homeschooling is weird, right? Some of the, all the kids that I met, at the farmer's market that would help, you know, the other businesses, they're all homeschooled kids. And I've never met and talked to kids that were so mature beyond their age. Like it was, it was super eye-opening. And it's just interesting because I think prior to actually being exposed to it, and I'm sure some people have, you know, this in their heads too, that like alternative education, which I know is something you're super passionate about, like leads to the weird kids as opposed to it kind of being the other way around. Yeah, I love the words. So you're using the words like unconventional and alternative, right? Um, and you think about what that means. What is alternative school? Alternative school just means it's the alternative to the conveyor belt programs that we all grew up with. But if you look at what it actually is, because we've used it to be culturally define it as something that's strange, like that's the alternative to the normal. But when normal is freaking effed up, you kind of want to be alternative to, to normal, right? And so you look at these alternative and unconventional and you've got the homesteading families and the farmer's markets. All that is, is how it always was. We've done this weird cultural freaking dance over the last, you know, 115, 120 years, which is why it seems normal because none of us know anybody that's 120 years old. So we've all gone through and grown up in this, right? So we started to confuse what is familiar with what is true and what is right. 
when really the alternative of getting back to the way it always was is more in line with how we are designed to grow, how we are designed to operate as a family, as a community, what education really looks like. Um, and all my experiences have been wildly true. And I, yeah, I'm right there with you on the oh, homeschool kids or the weird kids. Did, did you not have any weird kids in your public school? Cause I'm pretty sure I did. And, and, <laughs> By the way, maybe I was the weird kid. I don't know. You know, parents are like, well, if I homeschool, are my kids going to be weird? I'm like, yeah, if you are, if you're weird, your kids are going to be weird too. Homeschool, public school, conveyor belt school, you know, juvie. I don't care what it is. If you're strange, they're probably going to be strange. Do one thing, uh, Matt. So I put up on, I'm using threads uh, and I put up this thing. It's like, it's okay for your kids to be bored. They don't need an iPad at every meal. Right. And, um, uh, when we were kids, we didn't have constant simulation. It's just something that I was thinking of because I was at a restaurant and my children, you know, look, I want to acknowledge the fact that there is a time and a place for technology, 100%. 100%, it should be utilized. It is the world we live in. I am not saying that they should be, you know, living behind a rock and never exposed to technology. But what I am saying is that they shouldn't be having an iPad at every meal, at every engagement, at every situation. Because this constant situ stimulation, I find, reduces their ability to self-soothe and find ways for them to be creative and innovative. And, you know, for my children, just, I think because we started it so early, it just became a norm that they know that at the dinner table, there's not going to be any iPads. They know that when we go out to dinner with other people, I mean, Gabe's been out probably at multiple meals with my kids. I don't know if you've ever seen them on a piece of technology before. And I'm not saying that's easy as a parent, right? And if we're on an airplane, of course, dude, rock and roll, man. Hit that iPad, watch a movie, whatever. But what I'm worried about is that as a society, we're taking these things that the norm used to be that you would sit around, share a meal, regardless of your age, and you would interact, you'd engage. Now I feel like the norm is if you're over the age of, you know, if you're younger than 15 or whatever, you're just on an iPad at a dinner table, even if you're going out to eat and everybody else is conversing. And I wonder what will happen for the future of our youth that they're always used to being one swipe away or one engagement away from getting entertained instead of them having to enter identify ways to be creative. Um, I, I just, I, that's something I'm really big on because I just don't get it, man. I, I think we've swung too far towards technology. We got to get back. And some people had negative things to say about that. Like, bro, how can you argue that your kids shouldn't be on an iPad at every meal? I just don't get that. No, it's not even, that's not even a conversation. So people conflate. I like what you said there, because you're talking about technology. Yes. Does it need to be utilized? Do we need to understand, you know, that it's a part of our society? Of course we do. But Socrates says, you know, the beginning of, of wisdom is the definition of terms. And so I like to define this too. So, so do I want my kids to be technologically proficient? Of course I do. Don't conflate that with, so at every opportunity, they're going to have an iPad in front of them, or they're going to be on social media, or they're going to, do not confuse the two. We are very, very intentional with when they can use technology, what forms of technology, how often those are employed, like setting those guidelines and boundaries. And then the biggest part, parents, you fall within those boundaries too right? Is like, that is wildly important to create a different normal. You said that's not the norm, you know, cre you create the normal in your house. You make normal what you make normal. 
So being intentional about that absolutely matters, man. And being bored is absolutely a good thing for young people. It allows them to be creative. They need it. I, um, my son really wants to get a PS5. So we have no gaming consoles in our house. And the rule that my wife and I said is like, dude, if you want to go to your grandparents' house, your brother-in-law's house, and you want to go play games, rock and roll, man. Spend all day on Saturday playing video games with your brother-in-law or um, uh, your uncle, excuse me. Go for it. Like, that's fine. But at home, we're not going to have any video consoles. And it's tough, man, because as a parent, you know, part of me says, well, if I get a PS5, now he can engage his friends, play, you know, uh, Madden or whatever. But it's a slippery slope because now he comes home from school, he does homework or whatever, and then we go play sports. But if we had a PS5, it might start off being like, oh, we're only going to use it on the weekends. But I worry that it'll then encroach on our week time and all this kind of stuff. So do you guys have any... Um, games in the house or, or, or how do you guys address that? It's a really good question, man. And I get a lot of pushback on, on this one, um, because you're not wrong to, to have concern there. And I know what you said, you know, he says, yeah, this is an opportunity for him to engage with his friends. You bet it can be. Uh, I also know that you can engage with friends playing sports. You can engage with friends being outside. You can engage. So it's not like that, you know, a lot of parents will use that and go, no, this is the social time. And this is Cool, man. But let's not pretend like there's not other ways to do that. All right. And other ways to do it that may not be this slippery slope, like you said, that goes down into something further. So I have had the opportunity and, and people who give me the research, give me the studies. Hey, guess what? I've worked with thousands upon thousands of young people at this point over, you know, close to two decades. And I can tell you unequivocally, Video games can be a very slippery slope for young men. I'm not villainizing them. I'm not saying that if you are a parent that lets your kids play video games, something's wrong. That is not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is it can become this addiction that psychologically young men especially are built to want to socialize, but they want to engage, they want to conquer, they want a challenge, they want to go after something, they want to slay a freaking dragon, they want to rescue the princess. Like that's in our DNA, man. We, we're not going to get away from that. And what happens is video games for some young men become the avenue for them to do all of those things. And so then they get sucked in. That's all they want to do. They want to conquer there. They want to level up. They want to. And then they go back into the real world and they're like, eh, nothing else is as exciting. Eh, I'm not getting the immediate feedback. Uh, that's a little bit more of a, like, I might actually get rejected in public if I go do this and might fail in public versus fail in private. And it checks off all these boxes, man, that makes them less prone to getting after it in the real world. That's a very real issue that we're facing. Dude. Gabe, you want, we can talk about that, <clears throat> that statistic we saw, huh? Well, yeah, but before, you know, I, I, I've thought about this a lot. Jay, because like one of the things that I worry as I like, you know, go into this new stage of life as a dad is I, I I was very fortunate because growing up, like my parents almost didn't have to make the decision because we didn't have a lot growing up. So like I, I had to be outside. Like that was like kind of the only option I had to like, you know, keep myself entertained. And now, you know, it's kind of that constant, like now that I can give my children the stuff that they want, like it does become a decision of like, you have to hold back. It was not to say easier for my parents, but it almost wasn't a choice that they had to make. They were just like, dude, you're not getting a new PlayStation because that's completely out of budget. I think that it's one of the things that I constantly think that like I'm gonna have to balance because you know, obviously we have now, we have the means to 
be able to give him anything that he wants and asks for. So, you know, being able to like say no when you have to say no, I think that's something that that I always think about. Well, and one of the things, and sorry, because I just realized as you were saying that, that I never actually answered Jason's question. So no, we don't have video game consoles. And one of the things you just said, Gabe, is you said, you know, you got to realize when you can say no. But what I encourage parents to do is find a whole lot of things to say yes to. So you don't have to worry about saying no as much. Mm. Right. So I look at this. <laughs> you looked at the schedule for my young kid, my young kids, like they are so flipping busy with all of these amazing fun yeses right and it's not just yes we live on a farm that is part of the reason we wanted to move to a farm is because there's just more opportunity for more responsibility right so they've got morning chores out the wazoo but they love every single bit of it like they're doing amazing things and they're they get to own this you know these things on the farm that are theirs right so they're doing that but then they come back inside and and then they've got you know, self-directed workouts that they are taking on, on, on a lot of days, they're self-directing their own academics. They're involved in all of the businesses that we own as, uh, as a family, they're involved at certain levels with every single one of those businesses. My son has kickboxing. He has Ninja warrior. My daughter, uh, my middle daughter has team gymnastics. She's a gymnastics practice for multiple hours every single week. My oldest daughter is riding horses, teaching people to ride horses, working out on a ranch, uh, like, there's so many yeses. Oh, and then they just can, can go outside and go hang out and go do cool things. And then they can play with their friends and they can hang. Like, there's so many yeses. We're not, we don't have time to even have to say no. I saw that um, you you put up a post the other day. It was like physical health e equals mental health. And I, I wrote that down because I'm just such a believer in that as well. And that was your son in the video, right? Yes, sir. Dude, he was crushing. You're, so this, I mean, he is, Look, Caden, he's got some good push-ups, but your son, he's got some great push-ups. <laughs> and he's just out there doing some, you know, like basic, like, uh, I don't know, it was like, was it Taekwondo or, kick, or, or was it Taekwondo? Kickboxing. On, on, kickboxing. kickboxing. Yeah. 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 He was just, dude, just nice touches on the bag, doing some, you know, backward, you know, some roundhouse kicks and stuff. I'm like, whoa. I was like, oh, okay. And that kind of stuff fires me up. And I think for some parents, um, you know, it's, it's. I don't know, man, this idea that physical health equals mental health, it's just so true because I look at like with my son in particular and, and my daughter both, but if they don't exercise, if, especially my son, if I don't run him and I know that's, that's for lack of a better term, if I don't, if I don't exhaust my son, he will act up. It's just the way it is. Like if I don't exhaust his energy systems, he will act up in some way, shape or form, maybe a little bit moody, be a little bit, you know, maybe talk back just a little bit or whatever. But if we run him, if we exhaust his system, dude, he's the greatest kid in the whole world because yep. he has all this energy and we have to utilize it. I don't, do you see that same thing with all of your kids? Are they a little bit different in that sense? Um, different, but the same, you know, I mean, they, they all have, um, and part of it is boy versus girl a little, you know, there is some of that, right. But um, it is, do they have something to attack and something to get after um, very much, but the physical component is a non-negotiable for us. So it's like either you are out doing something physical that day, like, you know, you have practice that day or you have some, or you are putting a self-directed workout in, or you're working out with mom or dad, like the physical health part for us is a non-negotiable for this family nonstop. And then you want to like try to direct it as much as you can too. What are the things they they gravitate towards? What are the things that they think are really, really fun and enjoyable so that they're going to take on, you know, more and more and do it from a self-directed perspective. But every one of them will, will just go 
um, to exhaustion, but for him, especially, man, you're spot on for young men. They should be able to, you know, play work, get at it to the point of exhaustion every single day. It's the best thing for them. And it will absolutely impact their mentality and their mood, um, the way they operate your relationships, all of it. Man. And this is where, you know, it really boils down to what you said the other day, Jay, which I loved, which is if you're signing up to have a kid start a family, you're also signing up to take care of yourself because you have to be a fit dad. You can't go out and run your son. If you yourself, like can't keep up with him. And there's going to be an age where like, you really have to work to keep up with him. And if you're not training for that now, you know, like to be able to actually go out and play with him and get on the mats with him and do all these things, it's more than just, you know, like always being able to like, you know, go on that hike or like lift the luggage. Like you have to be in really good shape to be a good dad, especially if you're going to have boys, especially if you're going to have a bunch of boys. And I think that that can't be understated enough for people out there. Like you really have to train for it. You have to. And I love, I wrote that down to not to interrupt, but I wrote that down with because Jay, I saw you post the other day too. Um, it was something to that effect saying like, or you might've even been today that I wrote it down. It might've been this morning, but you said something to the effect of you used to train because you wanted to be the fittest in the world, but now you train because of what you want to be able to do with your kids and for your kids. Right. And that's exactly it. And by the way, you're also being this amazing example for them. You, you're not being hypocritical now when you're telling them, Hey, I want you to be physically fit and healthy and be able to do it. You're not being a hypocrite. And that's one of the biggest things parents get wrong, not necessarily intentionally, but we're hypocritical in our messaging because we're not living our messaging. You know, I've actually had to, I've actually had to let the pendulum swing a little bit back for me. So for example, I, I, I throttle pretty hard in the gyms and I, I hit workouts. I'm on the mats. I'm, I'm, I'm always at a RP, like a, a level 10. And what I had to realize, like yesterday, for example, I, I was training the garage for a long time uh, because we were creating some content, doing some stuff. And, and then Caden's like, this is like later on, like 5, 6 p.m. He's like, hey, man, you want to go play baseball? I'm like, okay. And he's like, hey, you want to go for a bike ride after dinner? I'm like, okay. And so at this point, I, I trained a bunch. Then you want to play baseball. Then after dinner, we went on a bike ride as a um, – and I have to realize that as a dad, for me to show up the best for me is that I cannot – I can't go, I can't be at, I can't empty the entire gas tank at the gym. I need to make sure that I have enough fuel for my kids too, because they, they require my, my attention and my energy. And I can't be like, you know, just, I think, I think other dads are probably on the opposite side, right? Where they need to basically go exercise. They have the energy for their kids. What I've had to realize, and maybe some dads listening to this, I've had to sometimes regulate my workouts a little bit so I can make sure I show up better for them and bring the full energy there as well. So it goes both ways. I think if you're a hard charger dad who loves to crush at the gym, don't crush it so much you don't have any energy for the kids later on. And then if you're a dad out there who's, you know, maybe a little bit out of shape, maybe you had kids a little bit later on in life, like you got to prioritize your fitness so you have the energy to bring to those kids. You know, like I, I've seen it firsthand and it's, it's, it's tough when you see a dad who has young kids but doesn't have the energy to keep up with them. And we could solve that problem by just regularly hitting the gym and hitting the mats. So good, man. To energy management is just as important, if not more important than time management. 
right? It's energy management. It's understanding how those two things operate together. How do you collapse time so that you can be more efficient and get more things done? All of those things, wildly important, absolutely. But understanding what activities you're taking on during the day too, that are either adding to your energy bank or taking away from the energy bank, because you've got to be able to prioritize having the amount of energy you need for your family as well. Really good word. Yeah. And it all also just ties together with nutrition that we talk about a lot too. And I know you talk about it a lot uh, too, Matt, you know, like if you're talking about energy and feeling good and being able to show up, you know, you can't do that if you're pounding Cheetos and cheeseburgers, you know? Um, and I think that that's another area where you can set the example and set the baseline of what normal is, right? Like it's almost, it's a perfect analogy to having game consoles in the house or not. Like, are kids going to be able to have ice cream and treats and whatever? Sure. But that's something that happens outside the house, right? Like you can set that baseline. Like at home, we eat these things and then there's special occasions where we might have things. So, because I, I definitely, when it comes to nutrition, an area I'm super passionate about, like I very much believe in like, you know, not having hard rules and moderation is important, but at the same time, it does differentiate like, okay, what you have at home versus what is a special occasion and something you indulge in on occasion mm -hmm. without saying, Hey, we never have those things and creating that relationship where, you know, as soon as they get the chance, they're going to want to have the thing that they can't have. That's right. And they're so capable of learning that lesson so much earlier than we give them credit for. Mm -hmm. They really are. Um, you know, my, we have conversations about this often and we always have. So my, my, you know, heroes are, are very aware of what real food is, what that means, where it comes from, how we get it, how we choose to go, okay, uh, how, how, you know, various foods make their own bodies feel like we've encouraged them to, to notice those things in themselves. How did you feel when you eat this versus when you eat this? What does that do to your energy level, to your mood, to, um, you know, your performance at the activities that you want to do? Like the conversations that not enough adults have, we're having those with our kids, but the best part is they get it. They, they're wildly capable of understanding those things. And I know it's a weird concept for a lot of people, but man, young people, when they understand that and they've got that kind of support and those kind of conversations, they're really good at self-regulating those things. They really do make mature decisions. You can hold the bar high. And again, as long as you're not being a hypocritical parent, you can hold the bar high to where not only will they hit it, but there will be a peace there. There won't be a weird relationship that is built with it. Man, it's possible. I like that, I, Matt. I think it's almost like, it's almost like because they're coming at it with a clean slate, like they're more self-aware of how different foods impact them. I think the majority of people out there, the reason that they're not aware that the stuff that they're putting into their bodies is making them feel not ideal is because they've been running below optimal for so long that it's their new normal. Like they're just like, oh, you know, I get heartburn every now and then, like I'm super bloated, have this joint pain, not great energy levels, need three cups of coffee. Like that's just been my life. Whereas they don't realize that if they made a few changes, all those things would disappear. But I love educating kids on it early because they don't come with that, you know, 10, 20 years of that being the normal. They'll notice those things like right off the bat. And if you're making them aware of it, if you're having those conversations, then they never have to do that 20, 30 years down the line when it's also a lot more difficult. 
Hey, you're hitting the nail on that. By the way, just real quick, Matt, just adding, you're hitting the nail on the head so much for me right now because Ava, we were having a little bit of stomach issues with her. And we ended up going to like a Eastern medicine, um, getting some Chinese herbs and some other stuff. But anyways, as a part of it, I said, hey, Ava, in the morning, something that helps me is I drink, you know, six glasses of water, right? And that helps me stay hydrated for the rest of the day. I like to jumpstart the day with hydration and stay hydrated. I thought that she was chronically dehydrated and that was maybe causing some, you know, gut health issues. It was a, it was a few other things, but she started drinking water and she started saying, you know what? I feel better when I'm, when I drink water. And it just became like this daily routine that she created for herself because she put two and two together. Like if I drink water, I feel better. Like I'm going to continue to do that. And it was just like mind blowing to me, you know, like I didn't have to Bingo. force it because she did it on her own. Bingo. And so that's, that's the beauty of it is like you put, you put this here. It's not like, Hey, all right, Ava, this is what you're going to do. And this is what there's a different thing than going, Hey, you know what? I do this. This is what I do, Ava. And this helps me feel really good. And that, that might be like kind of an interesting thing. That's how you actually inspire a young person to take it on because they'll go, Hmm, okay. You're pointing to yourself or you're pointing to, Hey, this is, this was really cool. Like I heard, you know, this story about a guy who did this and this is what happened. And like, you're using those kind of things. That's actual educational moments because it allows them to go, okay, it takes emotion out of it. Cause it's not dad going, you better or else they're like, oh, okay. Interesting. It allows them to think about it and allows them to voluntarily go, all right, now I'm going to go ahead and step into this too and see what happens. That's power. That's things that actually stick for these young people. And because they are, you know, and I love what Gabe was saying earlier, they are much closer to the, what I call the factory settings, you know, and Frederick Douglass has the quote of, you know, it's easier to build strong children than it is to fix broken men. And, and the reason there is because Gabe, what you were saying of like, there's all this other crap that we've now that we've now engaged in. So we've lost sense of what those factory settings really are. What is the baseline of normal for, for a human? And when we work with, you know, adults, a lot of times it is more progress for them is more addition by subtraction, right? It's actually, we're going to make more progress by getting rid of all the extra garbage physically, mentally that you have added on to your factory settings. Whereas for young kids, it's a lot more addition by addition. Like it's actually giving them all the good stuff, right? Because they're they're closer to those factory settings. So, yeah, brilliant, uh, both of you, brilliant. I love that concept, factory settings. Uh, mm -hmm. And I, I think about, and then I, I want to hear what Gabe has to say. But if you think about the kids are at like a a factory, you know, setting, and then you add inputs to it. Um, Gabe and I talked about this the other day. Like Ava, I'm confident if you ask her, do weights make you bulky? I'm confident. She will say, no, they make you strong. Like I'm, I'm very confident at this point because that's just been ingrained that we've been lifting weights for a very long time with her. And she's not, she, you know, you have to really try to get bulky. You have to like really try. And I think that back to this whole factory reset thing is like, if you're a, a child, especially a female who wasn't exposed at, at youth to weights, but you're exposed to all this content online, you would assume that if you touch a weight, you're going to get big. But if you're exposed at an early age, you'll realize that this is not the case. And I, anyways, this is just hitting home for me a lot because there's so many lessons that if we could foster them at a young age, when they're factory reset, we don't have to go back and change all of them later on in the future because we're already setting the tone from the get-go, you know? So bingo. And then it goes right back to what we were talking about at the very beginning, because then you also have this fantastic relationship 
with this young person who's now, oh, just wait till they're 12 or wait till they're 18, dude, wait till they're, no, you don't, you don't, you don't wait until anything because you've been rocking alongside of them the entire time. Yeah. And, and Jay, it's because you're, you're, you're the one putting the inputs, right? Like you're putting really healthy thought out inputs of how fitness works and why it's important. Whereas unfortunately for most people, they're getting the inputs from the noise in the outside world that can be super confusing, super misleading, you know, so on and so forth, which is where it comes back to taking responsibility of like, what are the inputs you're putting into your kids? Not just from like a, Hey, do this. Hey, this is good. Hey, this is bad. But also like, what are you doing? Um, you know, we just got to the age where like our son isn't napping around the time where we go work out. So we got a swing for him and he swings on our rogue rig while me and my wife are working out on opposite sides. And he's eight months, you know, he's young. I don't know if he's going to like remember this stuff, but already normalizing the fact that like we go as a family, like I really, really enjoy, I'm, I'm super fortunate that my wife enjoys the exact same type of training that I do. Like we follow the same programming and she's a great training partner, honestly. So it's so fun that like now we can go together and he's just there bouncing around on the rig, like watching mom, watching dad. And it's something that we do every day. It's like brushing our teeth. Like we just, we go to the gym. It's the thing that we do in between breakfast and lunch. And um, it's cool because I I know that it's never going to be a conversation that I have to have with him of like, hey, you got to get, you know, some movement. I know that as soon as he's walking and messing around in the gym, he's going to want to pick something up. He's going to see me do a squat. He's going to squat. He's going to see mom go out for a run. He's going to go chasing after. It's just normal. That's it. You don't, it's almost easier because you never then have to like, right, well, here's the rule here, so on and so forth. And I know that that comes easy to us because we've been in the fitness space for as long as we've had. And honestly, we, we enjoy it. Right. But I think that it's something that a lot of parents should think about because the example they set is so much more powerful than the rules that they create. Mm -hmm. Really good, man. Yeah. It's, um, you know, I always talk about the fact they're going to do what you do before, you know, they do what you say. And uh, people say, ah, but I, yeah, but I, I got to send them to school because I can't, you know, I'm not going to be able to educate them. No, man, you're educating them from day one. You are the primary educator. You are that primary input. And so you do need to be intentional about all of the other inputs and, and what are all the inputs, whether it's school, it's mentors, it's activities, it's all those things are different inputs. And, and, um, you know, one of the examples I always use with parents, I always say, you know, what do your kids speak? You know, if they speak English, I say, do your, you know, do your kids speak English? And I was like, yeah, well, okay, cool. What, would you send them to school to learn to speak English? Or, no, they just speak English because that's what we do around the house. Cool, man. That's how it works for every single other thing. So just remember that, like that is that main input that you had. And so if you were to spend the rest of your time going, okay, we're going to speak English here, but I'm going to send you over here and they're going to speak Russian. I'm going to send you over here. They're going to speak Chinese. I'm going to send you over here and they're going to speak Punjabi. I'm going to send you over here and they're going to speak like what ends up happening is, is yeah, if there's more and more inputs and they're too dissimilar, then you end up ultimately just being a piece of that internal dialogue. It creates a little bit of a disconnect there just because you've got so many wildly opposing inputs. So like, just be intentional, realize you are designed to be that primary input, especially in those early years. So be intentional about that. And then as they start to go out to get more input from other places, be intentional about that too, because that's going to impact your relationship. And that's 
you know, before we even go any further, just I am so appreciative of of both of you because of the way you guys are are just intentional in leading at home, man. It's a big deal. Well, I don't want to look back, man. You know, I don't want to look back 10 years from now and be like, dude, I could have done a better job, right? That's something you don't get a second, you don't get a second run at it. Um, you know, you, you might, you know, business, you, you might get a second run, you know, whatever. Like when it comes to relationships, when it comes to your kids, you don't get a second chance. You know, like you, you can only, the relationship that you create with them today is going to last a lifetime. And I want to make sure that I don't look back 10 years from now, 20 years from now, I'm like, dude, I could have done better. You know, because if I, if I ask myself that every day, can I do better? Then I can make some, some small micro adjustments to, to be better about things. And I haven't always been perfect, you know, and I've, I've had to work through how do you communicate with the kids about things that are sensitive, like food or, or this and that, and, and, and just being, meeting them where they're at and taking time and, it's not easy. It's not perfect. And there's no perfect book to do this, but I figure if you just keep trying and showing up, you're going to get better. Right. I mean, I, um, I want to ask you this question about this idea of like, uh, and Gabe and I were talking about this the other day, toxic, this, this, this term, and you know what I'm going to say, toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts on the pendulum on that? Because I felt like for a while it wasn't okay to be like a guy, mm-hmm. uh, but that's, but it's, but it, yeah. What are your thoughts on that? I think it's a, I think it's a hilarious term. You know, I, I'm, I'm very big on words. I think words very much matter. Um, so much so that I actually don't like that. I just said, I think words, no, I know words very much matter. And that's maybe the educational, you know, background or whatever that is, but words matter. So toxic masculinity to me is, is it's the jumbo shrimp of pop culture. It is something that is inherently a dichotomy. They cannot be the same. They do not exist on the same continuum. If something is toxic, it is inherently not masculine. If something is masculine, truly, it is inherently not toxic. Because when I define masculinity, it is an honorable, integrous set of virtues and values that somebody chooses to intentionally live by. And in doing so, they do so in service to other human beings. So it's inherently not toxic, right? So for me, it's one of these buzz terms that, uh, you know, we've used to, we, we have so there's so much of the identity politics and things that go on, right? So we've got, uh, I would say most men at this point are trained. When I say most men, people, well, what, well, women too. Cool. We're talking about toxic masculinity right now. So I'm going to go ahead and use men. Most men are told to think in terms of like left versus right, right, right now. And I think most men will sit there. I think good men will think in terms of right versus wrong. And I think great men will start to lean in towards good versus evil. Uh, and for me, when I start talking about masculinity, I think the epitome of masculinity is is trying to stay as much as possible in that good versus evil. And how do I continuously do good, act, you know, with with good intent, serve other human beings? So for me, everything about it is the opposite of toxicity. I feel like a lot of people that throw that term around, right? Like it ends up being a critique at being competitive, at being, you know, you know, like it's usually like too competitive turns into aggressive. It's, you know, being too, um, you know, trying to be successful turns into tyranny. Like that's what at least I feel is, because I agree with you, but I feel like that's what the meaning is of the people that, you know, 
will say that this is like a critique of why, you know, we should be raising men and boys differently so that they don't, you know, go to that end of the spectrum. That's why words matter because what people say versus what it is, right? right? Again, what has become familiar is being confused with truth. When we, when we're at this point in the culture where we can't even say woman and have a very clear definition of what that is, we're in trouble. Because now what's familiar is, well, woman could be a lot of things. And a woman can be this, right? Versus what's true is a woman is a woman is a woman. And here's how you biologically prove that. So, you know, this is, again, one of those things. You've got to define terms. Words really matter. And cultural familiarity with a word or a term does not automatically equate to truth about what that term actually means. And that's, again, part of our responsibility as a culture is to speak in terms of what's true. And it's also to show our young heroes what is true versus what is culturally popular. I don't know if you saw, Matt, a video Tom Tom DeBoss posted a, a little while back. And the video is kind of making the rounds of these two um, young, but like, you know, I would say maybe like 14, 15 year old wrestlers. And they had finished the match and one went to go shake the opponent's hand and the other opponent like just like clocked him in the face, like complete blind side, like clocked him in the face. And he posted it as kind of like a, uh, you know, critique on obviously that, but that to me just comes as an example of what people would throw that kind of label on. Right. But it's not that. And I'm curious kind of your thoughts. I don't know if you saw the video, but like- I did see the what video. Is I know actually, exactly. Yeah. So what is actually going on there, right? And how do we get to the point where, you know, that kid feels that it's okay to do something like that? Yeah. What he did, you know, could you say that was toxic? Sure. And then period. There's no masculinity attached to that. That young man has been failed. Somebody failed him. That's what's going on. He actually has never been exposed to masculinity. And, and I don't care if that, and I don't need to know if he's got a father in the home, he doesn't have a father in the home, he doesn't have, right? Whoever his male role model has been or models have been, they have failed him because he reacted in such a way, because he is broken in such a way where that seemed like the thing that he needed to do, that was the next best thing. So he's never been exposed to masculinity. It's a pretty simple story, actually. It's a heartbreaking story. And it's one that we see play out with various masks and in various forms in a number of different ways. But that is always the reality of it is they've been failed and they've never been shown what masculinity looks like. Yeah, man, it's so unfortunate because I feel like those are the videos that also like get a lot of traction and are kind of like, you know, put out there as this, you know, critique of, and also reasoning for like then trying to tame down what it is to be, you know, a man and raise a boy. The other example that comes up to me was this football player that like clocked the ref after getting ejected from the game. I don't know if you saw that one too. And it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's sad to see those things like get so much exposure out there because that's not what like the three of us, for example, are talking about with like, you know, raising competent you know, masculine men, like that's not at all. It's actually the complete opposite. Um, and right. I love how you explain. 
That's right. And so what the what it goes back to is what we were talking about earlier, right? Where it was where you were saying something about, you know, getting prepared to say no. And I said, you know, but be prepared to do a whole lot more yes, right? Because if you turn your focus in all of these positive directions, you don't have to spend as much time worrying about the negative thing to go, no, here's why no. And not, not that there's not yes and no conversations because there are, but for our young heroes too, let's point their eyes towards what positive masculinity actually looks like what masculinity itself actually is let's show them the stories of heroes let's put that virtuous uh character driven living let's put that back on a pedestal let's show them movie that uh, this goes back to the inputs what are the movies they're watching are we showing them movies that have a virtuous message that have the message of overcoming and resilience and of service and of positive, you know, uh, driving towards a, a purpose because we can show them those movies. And then by the way, we can read them those stories. And then by the way, we can introduce them to those people. And by the way, in doing all of those things intentionally, we create young people who are much more concerned about designing the good versus having to run away from, or even worse, acting out the bad. That's the point. That's what we need to be doing. And Matt, I think uh, there's so many ways to ingrain those things, but I think doing hard things helps with it. Um, playing sports. playing team sports, obviously, I think has so much value, obviously, right? Um, but exposing your kids to martial arts. I mean, there's no better way, in my opinion, than when your kids are being exposed to martial arts or team sports and they go through these adversity. And then there's there's opportunities for you as a parent to to further ingrain these lessons we're trying to teach, you know, like all to back to your point, like all the yeses. So the yeses are exposing them, showing them good, 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 good. And then if you see it bad, you could, you could check it real quick. You know, um, I was watching Caden, he was playing flag football. Um, you know, this is like, I don't know, a, a year ago. Right. I remember this and, story. Dude, he, he, he gets this really good, um, for lack of a better term, tackle, right? Because they're playing flag football, but, he, you know, he pulls a flag. He gets, it's, it's a really good play, right? And he, like, you know, takes his finger and does some type of, like, shh, or, like, you know, kind of, like, shit talks a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and I walk up to him on the field, and I'm like, I just, just whisper in his ear, hey, man, if I ever see you do that again, I'm pulling you immediately off the field, and we're done for the season. Just letting you know. Get back in the game, have a kick-ass game, and then I just walked back off. Nothing else to say, because at, at a young age, if we can start ingraining that it is not okay to act this way, we are going to be good sportsmen. That is going to be the focus, and we are going to play hard and we're going to play to win. But while we're doing that, we're going to be good sportsmen. And I just think it's really important at a young age that if we don't ingrain all of those things, especially the sportsmanship, they become jerks later on. And uh, I just wanted to share that story because I, I just. It just hits home for me, everything you're talking about, man. I, I really appreciate you being on here and talking to us about this. No, man. man. That's great. God, from a dad standpoint, too, well done on, on your young man. And it's funny because a lot of people would be like, oh, Jason, you know, like, eh, that's not a big deal, man. He's just having fun. And like, no, dude, that's a character check right there. Like, that's when we need to have it. And conversely, if he was getting, you know, if there was somebody out there beating the heck out of another kid and just pounding other people into submission and purposefully hurting them. And, and Caden went up and, and socked that kid and made him stop. People would be like, oh, what did you let your kid hit somebody, right? Like we've got this such a skewed perspective on, again, right and wrong and good versus evil 
that what's up is down and what's down is up. And we're completely backwards in that. So we need to point towards more stories like that. Like I, I freaking love that. Love that story. Yeah, man. And you know, one thing that, you know, we're big believers about too is like your surround system is your, you know, who you're surrounding yourself with is everything. And, you know, it's kind of one of those things that the inputs matter for parents as well. Like I'm super fortunate that, you know, I rub shoulders with Jason as much as I do being a dad now, because I get those stories from him and I've spent a bunch of time with him and his kids. And it's super inspiring to see how well-behaved and mature and awesome Ava and Caden are. And that to me, like wants me to level up. Like now that I have a kid, I was like, man, like I gotta do a lot of things that Jason's doing. But I think that that goes in, in so many respects for people that like, if you want to be a good dad, like surround yourself with good dads. If you want to be a fit guy, like surround yourself with fit people. If you want to be successful in business, like surround yourself with people that are successful in business. Like it makes such a big difference. And I don't want to pump Jason up too much, but it makes a big deal that I get to spend as much time with him. We got to be careful with pumping him up too much, but um, it, <laughs> it, it, it definitely that's helps. It, that's it. I would have my, I would have my family around Jason and his family all day, every day. We talk about it. We say the cliche, well, you're the product of the five people you spend the most time with. Like we say it, but we don't give it the weight that it deserves because it's absolutely true, right? We'll say those things and then simultaneously, and I've, I mean, I've literally gotten this from, I can't count how many people will say things like, well, you know, I got to send my kids to the conveyor belt school program, man, because, you know, they got to learn that there's bad people out there somewhere. That's the dumbest damn thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> That is the dumbest freaking thing. You say you're the product of the people you spend the most time with, and you're going to say that the most time needs to be spent with some people who are way up. Like if we're going to go to as men and we're like, hey, we got to get together and do some personal development. Well, man, we should probably go spend some time in prison so that we can see there's a bunch of like, you know, bad people out there and that's going to make us better. That's dumb as hell. You go expose yourself to greatness you be around greatness, you get involved with greatness so that when you see something that's on the other end of the spectrum, you can acknowledge it for what it is. And you can go, man, okay, that's something I either don't want to be a part of or actually want to help, you know, whatever that, that looks like. Then you can have that kind of conversation, not like, well, that's just what I got to jump into. It's the same thing for our kids. Expose them to greatness, expose them to good people, expose them to all the right things so that when they see the wrong thing, they can go, okay, well, what is my role and what is my responsibility right here? Do I walk away from this thing? Do I ignore this thing? Is it something that I can actually help solve and fix? And then you can have those kind of conversations, not just this the way the world works. That's giving up on life. It's garbage. Matt, I like how you say that words really matter. And I, I, I'm sure you've posted this somewhere and maybe I've missed it, but I'm curious the referring to kids as heroes, both at the schools and you, you say it all the time, like sure. why use that word? What does that mean? Um, and why not just, you know, it's our students at the schools that you started. It's my kids. It's, it's my heroes. Why that word? I, I want to call them to greatness. You know, I want to raise the bar on that. I don't, you know, again, a, a definition of, of terms. So kids culturally can be, derogatory. I don't think it's actually a derogatory term by any stretch. Uh, I do, I do not students, same thing. I, there's actually, there's value to the word student. That's a, it's a really good thing. But in my experience, working with these young people, 
I want to continuously remind them that my expectation for them is all the things they are capable of, which is freaking greatness. And, and that's a, that is a blanket statement. It's hard to make blanket statements around, uh, around people sometimes. Um, but this is one area that I, is not a hard thing for me to, to make a blanket statement on. I very much believe every time I'm working with a young person that I'm working with the next, I'm working with the next Jason Khalifa. I'm working with the next Benjamin Franklin. I am working with the next name your hero. And so I want to remind them as I refer to them as that, that look, there is this thing called the hero's journey. And it is synonymous with living a life of purpose, living a life that matters. You are wildly capable of being the best possible version of yourself that will in fact, in some way, change the trajectory of the world itself. I believe that for them. And I want them to believe that for them too, whether that's the young people I work with and, you know, mentorship on campuses or in my own household. So that's why I always refer to them that way. And, and Matt, do you see a difference between characterizing them as young heroes versus like young leaders? Is that, are the, is that almost the same thing in your eyes? Um, it, it is to me, but it's not to them. So some of them will step into this role of becoming more brave or becoming more integrous if they know if they know they are seen as heroes because they equate that to hero, you know, like heroic traits, right? Heroic qualities where they don't always simultaneously see themselves as a leader. Sometimes they got to learn that even just leading yourself is being a leader, but they don't necessarily equate it that way, right? They're looking at leadership as do other kids follow me? Right. Or, you know, you and I know even leading yourself and being brave is the same thing, but for them, they don't necessarily do it. So, you know, to me, I like to use heroes with them because they're like, okay, what is a heroic trait? What is a heroic quality? Hey, the, the only ingredient, you know, in a bottle of, of courage is fear. So I've got to overcome that to drink that down and go forward and be a hero. So they, they seem to respond better to that. How can you, what would you boil it down to for, you know, anyone listening that like this really resonates with them for like, you know, leveling up their game as, as a parent, like, you know, really in like simple terms, what, what would you, what would be your like top bullet points? Be the best human you can be first and foremost. So I get this question a lot. It's, it's what's the best parent, you know, Hey, I want to get the best parenting book. I'm about to be a parent. I want to get the, you know, or what would you recommend as the best parenting book? Uh, and I, I can't even answer that question because I need to know who the individual is and how do you need to get better as a human first? Is it you need to fix your physical fitness? Is it you need to fix your emotional, you know, you got emotional baggage you need to fix? Is it, you know, you've got to raise your financial IQ? Is it you've got to, like, what does that look like for you to raise your own game? That is always the first bullet point. Because if I'm not working to at least try to optimize myself as a human, I'm not going to be the optimal person with the optimal amount of energy to pour into my kids. So that's always number one. Um, you know, one of the other things for me is, is I talk about obsessing around my kids. And this is another thing, definition of terms. This is something that culturally it's like, no, you're going to have balance. Like, don't obsess over like. I think that's a freaking, that's another thing that's misused and, and misappropriated all the time. No, I'm obsessed with wa watching my kids. I'm not obsessed with being the overlord of their lives. I'm not a helicopter parent by any freaking stretch of the imagination. 
but I'm obsessed with paying attention to who they are because one, all right, I got to be the best version of myself. And then the reality is each one of them is going to get a little slightly different version of dad too, right? Because we all show up and people say, no, be authentic. Yes, be authentic. But Gabe authentically right now is being Gabe. Gabe, are you talking to us the exact same way as you talk to your eight-month-old? And are you the exact same guy? Of course not. Jason is authentically being Jason 100% right now. Jason, do you have the same relationship with us as you do with your wife? No. You show up as a different version that's just as authentic, but it's a different version, right? Well, pay attention to your kids because if you show up the best, your best self, you're also going to have to be a slightly different version for each one of them because they're different and they need a little bit of a different person. And the only way you know how to do that is you, if you obsessively watch them, learn the puzzle of who they are. I know how to inspire all three of my kids, and it's slightly different than how I inspire their you know, brother or sister. I know how to inspire all three because I pay attention to how they respond. I know how each one of them think. That's what I mean by obsessed. I pay that much attention where I'm like, okay, I need to get her to see this. How can I do this without involving emotion that's going to cloud it? Like, what is the story I can tell her? What can I point his eyes towards where he's going to get this lesson and he's going to think about this? I want to obsess so much that I know what they're going to say before they say it. And by the way, I do that a lot. I do it with my wife too, where she's like, you know, there's literally nothing going on that has anything to do with anything. And she'd be like, you know what I'm thinking? And I'll be like, yeah, you were about to say this. And the reason I know that is because the sun's shining through over here. This song's freaking playing. Today's Thursday, right? And I put all these patterns together. So I know that your brain just went here. And I want to do that with every single one of my kids too. And it doesn't happen unless you're freaking paying attention. I got a lot more that I want to talk to you about, but I want to be um, sensitive of your time. So I just, Matt, I really appreciate you, man, with, with, what you're doing with Acton Cat, you know, all the different schools with Apogee Strong. I, I think what you're doing for young heroes and dads is super inspiring. You know, like I've always enjoyed anytime you allow me to come and talk to the guys, the adults or the kids. It's just been super. Because what it does for me is that the more I talk about this stuff, the more I look for holes in my game, because it's like if you go and you're teaching a business course, right? And you're teaching business on, I don't know, finance. Well, you better be damn sure that you're living and breathing it. And it only wants you to go 2% better, 2% better. And so anytime I talk to your crew, it makes me just want to be a better person. Anytime I talk to you, it makes me want to level up. And, you know, for me, man, like it's conversations like this that are leading me to where I want for my kids. Like I want my children to be the most capable, toughest kids in the room, adults in the room. I want them to grow up to be resilient and it's conversations like this that just helped me get a little bit better to communicate a little bit better. So I just, I just want to say thank you to you, man. I really appreciate your time. Man, honor, honor goes, I mean, it's always mine. And, and the respect goes both ways, man. We were talking yes, yesterday as I was at my son's kickboxing, Tim and I were talking about, um, cause Tim and I are going to, are going to go on a focused effort to launch 
a coordinated 100 school Apogee school launch um, for, for fall of 2024. So we're going to be working with people all over the country to to get these things launching. And, and we got a big, you know, a big push on that. And we're talking about physical fitness and how important that is. And you are a man that we talked about yesterday talking about, Hey, as we push this forward, man, and we got like making sure Jay is a part of this so that we can push forward the physical fitness, what we need to do for our kids. So, you know, like I said, respect is more than mutual, man. And the honor is very much mine always. Yeah. And just echoing what Jason said, I'm super excited to be a part of this, man. Like I said, I'm, I'm eight months into this crazy ride and I was really looking forward to this conversation. So thanks, man. Awesome. Well, Matt, if it's any, uh, you know, we, we probably want you to come and talk to us again, like next week. So I'll hit you up and we'll, we'll try in another time. Something that's fresh in my mind or something, you know, coming home from Europe for a month with my kids. One of the things I, I, I wanted to hear your feedback on for the next episode. So for anybody listening, just get fired up. The next one is starting this conversation of bu building up uh, situational awareness. And, um, you know, one of the things I noticed with my daughter in particular, you know, we're going through all these different train stations, airports. How do I ingrain this idea of like, you know, keeping your head on a swivel, being aware, like it's one thing for us to train them in self-defense and whatnot, but how about all those other intangibles of, Hey, if something seems wrong, it's probably wrong. So I definitely want your feedback on that, but I appreciate you. I appreciate everybody listening. Go make sure to check out everything that Matt has going on. We'll link it all in the podcast show notes. Keep crushing it. We'll see you again next week for another episode. Let's go. Oh, 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 o